Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. I certainly did. I got a haircut. I got a haircut. What do you guys think? I, I think it's time again to dye the hair. I don't know how long it's been. It's been more than a month, maybe about six weeks. Look how gray my hair looks. Anyway, uh, we have a fantastic, awesome show uh, planned for you today. It's going to be a smoke show, to be quite honest with you. we got a lot of good stuff to cover, a lot of ground to cover. We're going to start with uh, ESPN and Leah Thomas being a part of Women's History or Women's History Month. This is the Ivy League swimmer. We're going to start there, but we're going to get to Steve Kim's going to join us in the second half of the show and talk with us about that, but also talk about the big news of Lamar Jackson demanding a trade. Uh, we'll also talk about a few other things with, with Steve Kim. It's going to be an awesome, entertaining, interesting show. It's going to be so good that it deserves 6,000 likes. I say that. And so we need to start now and throughout this entire show pounding that like button. Pounding the likes, getting into the comments, giving your your thoughts, opinions on this fire starter I'm about to unpack. If you're listening over Apple, hit that five-star review. It's an easy thing to do. Write a little review of the show. That's easy to do. Help us fight the algorithm. You can also email me and us, and I've been responding to emails all weekend, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. If you want to reach out, talk to me personally, you guys give some of the greatest suggestions. We got something tucked in this show uh, today that comes from my email box, something I hadn't seen about Mina Kimes and being the hottest girl at Yale back in the early 2000s. I appreciate that kind of info coming into me uh, via the email box, so uh, keep that coming. Love to hear it from you guys that are supporting our sponsors. Love to hear from you guys that are coming out to a roll call April 15th. Uh, but without further ado, let's get this party started. Let's get this show started. TJ Moe will be here. Shamik Michelle, Steve Kim. I'm going to be here. You're here already. So uh, let's get this party started. Uh, ESPN honoring Ivy League swimmer William Thomas as part of Women's History Month makes perfect sense when you realize he's a Dixney chick. ESPN's parent company, the Walt Disney Company, is the worldwide leader in transitioning America into a gender-fluid, mental illness-affirming society. Eight years ago, ESPN crowned its inaugural Dixney Chick, awarding Bruce Jenner the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. Bruce earned the recognition when he changed his name to Caitlyn and started wearing dresses in public. <clears throat> William Thomas changed his name to Leah and started swimming against women. In 2022, he won an NCAA title in the women's 500 meter freestyle. Like Jenner, Thomas retained his bat and balls, qualifying him for Disney's most protected status, Dixney Chick. On Sunday, ESPN lauded Leah Thomas as a great moment in women's history airing a package celebrating his dominance of Ivy League's women's swimming. Take a look for yourself. 
22, swimmer Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I championship by winning the 500 freestyle. The Texas native competed for three seasons on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania. She began her transition after her sophomore season, and after a gap year due to the pandemic that forced the Ivy League to cancel all sports. Thomas made her debut as a member of the women's team in December 2021. Being trans is, is not a choice. I didn't have any other choice because not transitioning was not leading me anywhere. She competed amidst criticism from the swimming community, competitors, and teammates. She said she hopes her persistence serves a larger purpose. People will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy. He transitioned to be happy. Are, are women, real women, biological women, are they happy about this? At Disney, the debate is settled. You can be a chick with a dick. And there's nothing remotely unfair about biological men competing against biological women in sports. That, that's settled. This would actually be a great discussion for one of ESPN's many talk shows. The network is filled with former male and female athletes, passionate sports fans, and allegedly fearless intellectual heavyweights. I can't ever remember seeing any of them engaged in a real debate about biological men competing against biological women in sports. Wouldn't you? I, I certainly would. Wouldn't you love to know what Mina Kimes, Sarah Spain, Malika Andrews, and L. Duncan think on this issue? I'd also love to hear from Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkins, Dan Orlovsky, Jalen Rose, and Ryan Clark on this topic. What does Max Kellerman think? How about Rex Ryan or Randy Moss? Maybe the courageous team over at Anscape could host a two-hour panel discussion on this issue. This is easily one of the most important issues facing the world of sports. The alleged worldwide leader in sports is strangely, strangely quiet on a topic that could disadvantage the next generation of biological women. A man who has never trained for competition while experiencing a menstrual cycle is now an unforgettable hero in women's sports history. Really? Disney decided this without ever putting the issue to vigorous debate. Disney is evil. The company is uprooting a foundational truth. God created man and woman giving men XY chromosomes and women XX chromosomes. It's normalizing a treatable mental illness. Anyone paying attention knows what's next on the sexual slippery slope. The silent P in the LGBTQ plus alphabet mafia, pedophilia. The left calls it minor attracted people, MAP. This too will be normalized. Disney's cartoons have incorporated the alphabet mafia agenda into their characters. Disney is grooming your kids for a sexually immoral world. With its 1995 acquisition of ESPN, Disney purchased the rights to transition sports culture. It's been a three decade process to make the sports world bow to the alphabet mafia. Mission accomplished. The worldwide leader in sports led us to Epstein Island, 
aka Disney's World. This weekend, as I watched the NCAA tournament, I kept seeing an eHarmony commercial with two young boys riding a bicycle with a tagline of, get who gets you. I kept imagining a father watching the games with his 10-year-old son. You're watching basketball. Does anyone want to discuss with their child, get who gets you? Your child's same-sex best friend is probably who gets him at that age. The commercial isn't about business and selling eHarmony memberships. It's about grooming. Let's be generous and say 10% of American adults are gay or bisexual. What percentage of that 10% are sports fans? Is eHarmony trying to reach a mass audience or is it trying to send a mass message? It's obvious. It's no different from the Amazon commercial with the mustache girl. The commercial isn't about the convenience of shopping with Amazon. It's a commercial about a genderless child discovering his identity after seeing Freddie Mercury, the gay lead singer of the group Queen, rocking a mustache. Companies no longer pitch products, they pitch agendas. It feels like the only companies pitching products are the pharmaceutical corporations. Pfizer paid singer John Legend to sell his experimental medical trial vaccine. But let me return to Leah Thomas and ESPN. The worldwide leader can find time to discuss whether a BYU fan hurled a racial slur at a Duke volleyball player. You remember that. South Carolina's women's basketball coach Don Staley canceled a game with BYU over the false allegation. Stephen A. Smith ripped BYU for something that didn't happen. Jay Billis gave the false allegation credibility by issuing a statement. Last week, Sarah Spain snapped on and ESPN publicly condemned a low-level Boston radio host who referred to Mina Kimes as a nip. All of this is a cover. The race-baiting ESPN promotes beards, Disney's Chicks with Dicks, and Silent P Agenda. Disney incentivizes and manipulates its employees to groom kids for sexual perversion. No one at ESPN will complain about Leah Thomas because they know their future at the network depends on obedience to the Alphabet Mafia. That's my fire. That is so obvious. And, and, and you can sit here and complain, oh, Jason, you just mad ESPN fired you. That's a joke. I, I, that, that's a joke and a lie. At this point, back when the two different times I worked at ESPN, it's totally oblivious to Disney's agenda. I was naive and stupid. Didn't know. Just knew the second time around, I knew I didn't fit in there because I was down with no one's devious agenda. And I certainly wasn't down with the matriarchal agenda. And then I could see the LGBTQ agenda. But it was a blessing getting dismissed uh, from ESPN during my second stint there. And, and I say that, you can say, oh, Jason's just, just BS. There's no way, I would not work at that sick 
place. I would not accept their money. If you can't see Disney's agenda at this point, you're willfully ignorant or you've been bought and paid for or you just don't have any morals. You don't have a moral compass. You don't care. But their agenda is so obvious and so satanic and so immoral. They're targeting kids with all of it. All of it. And this is all, you know, I'm singling out Disney because it is such a powerful cultural force. But all these television networks, all these media companies are in on it. They all think, well, Disney's doing it. It's what's popular. We might as well go along to get along. I've never been a go along to get along person, ever. I never will be. I'm never going to participate in sexualizing kids. It's just not going to happen. And I'm going to stand against it. And if you have a backbone and a pair, you would stand against it too. I, I, I'm I watched sports this weekend and they made it really hard. Cause I watched a lot of NCAA tournament games. They made it really hard on me with these commercials. Every time they were, I just would try to turn the sound down or just try to ignore it. But, but the agenda with all these companies has nothing to do with selling a product. It's virtually all about selling an agenda, an agenda that, I'm, frankly, I'm just against. I don't care what adults do in the privacy of their own homes or in the privacy of their own bedrooms. I don't care. Grown folks can do whatever they want. But when I see television commercials directed at trying to seduce, induce, nudge your kids a certain sexual direction, I'm going to call it what it is. It's grooming. It's the process towards pedophilia. Uh, TJ Mo, uh, we're going to bring in TJ first on this. Uh, TJ, we're going to roll out to St. Louis, bring in the show me kid. TJ, uh, am I? Is there anybody at Disney that can claim at ESPN that can claim ignorance about the agenda that Disney has imposed on all of them? Can, can they legitimately claim they don't know what's going on? I don't think they can. I think they know what's going on, and they just think the money's good enough that they're going to ride along with it. Well, I think that's exactly right. And Will Kane is the perfect example. He was basically chased out of there without being chased out of there. He decided to leave to go to Fox, and he was a guy that, look, I, I think he's fairly talented. and wasn't the most talented guy on the network, but fairly talented. Had a conservative worldview, if not explicitly biblical. I don't know if he is a Christian or not, but he tried to tell the truth and the animus towards him was so unbelievable that he's like, this is toxic. I got to get out of here. This place is crazy. And it was not just on air. It was behind the scenes. And so he's been, he's been open about that. If you listen to him talk. And so anybody who watched that, anybody who's been at ESPN for any amount of time realizes this point of view 
is not welcome here. This is coming down from the top. We've been instructed to have moments of silence when the quote, don't, ca- don't say gay bill is passed down, right? It's th- There are so many things that they've been instructed to do that is that is outside the purview of a normal media world. If you paid attention to media for, I mean, you, you were in it, right? I'm, I'm not saying anything to you. It's like you weren't instructed on the exact narrative you had to follow. There may be a thing here or there. If there's a lawsuit, okay, you got to stay away from this. We're getting sued. Don't talk about that today. That's now it's, it's far more about narrative. So yeah, you'd have to be an idiot to be someone working at ESPN today, blind that there's, there's an agenda being pushed from the top. And I got to, I want to be careful because there's a lot of people over at ESPN that individually I have respect for. A lot of people, most of them, even people you'll hear me criticize. I have respect for Stephen A. Smith, and I'm very critical of him, but I have respect for him. Uh, I, I, I'm, so I, I just want to be, I want to be fair to them, but I don't want to let them off the hook we're watching the sports world be changed, transformed right before our eyes. We're normalizing men competing against women in sports. All of these people, from Kirk Herbstreit to Stephen A. Smith to Mike Wilbon to Jalen Rose, they all know this isn't right. And none of them will say anything. I, I want how should I feel about them? Because I'm just to Sage Steele, that's someone I, I like and respect. And I know that she's ha- having or had a hard time at ESPN, but they're all still there. The money is all still good. How should, are they sellouts? Is it easier for me to call them out because I'm not there and perhaps I don't have the demands that they have with wife and kids? I, I, I don't know, but, but it, it is watching them sit silent as something that I know they know is completely unfair and none of them will voice an opinion. Leah Thomas, great. I'm, I think that was Hannah Storm that narrated that piece. And I, I just can't believe Hannah Storm is on board with this. And I looked her up. She's Catholic. Um, she's, she's done interviews with Joel Osteen. She, she calls it Christianity light or whatever. I mean, she's who knows where she actually stands, but somebody who claims to be Catholic and then goes along with this tells you they're not exactly Catholic or Christian in any way. I just think there's a, um, there's a poll circulating today from, from the wall street journal and it, and it's a 25 year poll, meaning they, they conducted the same poll 25 years ago. And so they wanted to see today percent who say these values are very important to them. And they did five different categories. And patriotism went from 70% down to 38% religion, what we're talking about now, 62% back in 1998. Today, it's 39%. So you, you your religion has dropped by you know 50%. Having children, 59 down to 30 Money's the kicker here. Went from 31% of people who say this value is very important to them up to 43. It's the only one that improved. 
people are less patriotic, less religious. They're having less children because it's down from, I mean, they, they care half as much about having children. And then even community involvement is down. So everything across the board is down, but making more money is more important. And it connects directly to religion because what you thought once upon a time was, look, God's going to provide for us. And so money's great. Our family is very important. What we're doing right here inside these walls, me, my wife and kids, we will get it figured out and God will provide to us. We're going to keep seeking after his will for us and everything else will, will work out. Today, people don't care about their family. They don't even think they need kids. Many people, if you go talk to the feminists today, you know, it's, it's the, um, uh, can't remember her name, Gloria, whatever. Men need, uh, women need a man like fish need a bicycle. And, and they think they don't need religion. They don't need God. So, well, if, if you don't think you need God, you have to provide for yourself. And, you know, I don't know virtually any of those people at, at ESPN, uh, friendly with Sage to some degree. I do think she has an authentic relationship with God. The others, if you're not a, a real believer and you don't believe that God's going to provide your next meal for you, whether you're on camera at ESPN or not, yeah, of course you're a sellout, right? You'll do anything for money, definitionally, because you can only count on yourself. And I just, this is why th there's a guy that came to my church several weeks ago, Eric Metax is his name. And uh, he was unbelievable guest speaker. He's got a radio show, several really, really good books. And, you know, I, I asked him the question that you and I wrestle with oftentimes about what are these people to do because their livelihood is at stake. They speak up once and that's it. They're not going to be on any, but all the networks lean the same way. CBS and NBC are not going to pick you up if ESPN fired you for, for telling the truth. And so I said, what do you do? You know? And he said, you get some faith and I don't have any empathy for these people who don't believe that God is going to take care of them. So first thing you do, crack open that Bible and figure out if you're an actual believer, I don't want to hear it. There's, there's, again, this is where he was, he was the one that brought up, um, revelations. I think it's 20 verse eight where he's like, cowards don't have a place in heaven. They're the first ones listed when, when, uh, John talks about who's going to be going put in the lake of fire. And so yes, they're sellouts. Um, but more importantly, they're people who don't believe that we live in a world where there is a God and, and I don't trust those people. I, I just, I don't. I, it is very, t it is for me, I, I think it's easier uh, because I, I have, this will sound arrogant, but I'm just being honest. It's like I have a unique talent and skill set. And so I feel very confident that, you know, I can figure out a way to provide for myself and, and have been doing that. And, th and this is me walking away from Fox Sports and stepping out on my own, what is that, three years ago? And, and, and under the belief of, ah, I, I, trust me, I got a unique skill set, I'll figure out a way to provide. And, and not everybody has that. Again, the, you know, I talk about Mina Kimes and so like, hey, doesn't have a real talent. They got her on TV talking football. She knows that she's being done a favor. And so when she thinks about 
well, I'll, I'll go someplace else. We're, we're, go where and do what? Now, I mean, she's a Yale graduate. She could do things outside of TV, but, but, but you know, you fall in love with the camera and fall in love with being a pretend football expert. That, that's hard to give up. You're celebrated. Your whole family thinks you're the greatest thing in the world. Your friends do. Uh, and so th there's just a lot of people like that. Eddie is, take the, the Stan Verrett guy who loves criticizing me. He, 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 he has no value outside of being a, you know, a broadcaster for ESPN. No one cares about his opinions or anything like that. So what, what do you, and I hear you, you got to have faith. And we've had the decrease in faith in America and, and the increase in faith in money or belief that money can fix all your problems. But, but what do you tell someone who's 45, 50 years old that all they've known how to do is, you know, talk in front of a camera and repeat some highlights that are in a teleprompter. What, and again, Hannah Storm's made enough money, she should be in position to walk away. But what, what do you tell people that, what are they supposed to do? You tell them if you're a Christian that the Lord will provide. And that's the end of the story. If you need more than that, then you're not an actual believer. And that's the truth. There's nothing I can tell you to convince you, okay, trust in God, but also here's our plan over here. You know, the, the Bible says in, in his heart, uh, a man will, I can't remember how it goes exactly, a man will, will plan his way, but the Lord will direct his steps. So you come up with all the plans you want. T.J. Moe doesn't have a good answer for you. I know that for sure. But I do know that the Bible says the Lord will provide. If you look at the lilies in the field and the birds in the air, God's providing for them. Are you not much more important than they? That's what scripture says. So he says, stop worrying. You know, at, worrying about today will not add one single hour to your life. That is scripture. And so I'm, I don't tell him anything. I tell him to read the Bible. If you read the Bible, that's where your comfort comes from. And so if you're willing to lie to everyone, and I, I'm just telling you particularly, Hannah Storm, to, to narrate that is embarrassing. That is worth resigning over. I'm not reading this. If you got to fire me, fire me. I'm not doing it. I'm telling you that, that Hannah Storm, based on the stuff that I read about her, seems like a feminist to me. And I, I've been stewing on this for a while. Feminists led us to this point. They are the first people to tell us there's no differences between men and women. And it turns out there are, there are consequences and unintended consequences when you step out of God's natural order. And you say there's no difference between men and women. In fact, if anything, women are superior to men. This is what the feminists have been telling us, certainly at least since the third wave, starting in the 1990s, right around the Clarence Thomas stuff with Anita Hill. All the, the, the Me Too movement now has put that on steroids, is trying to put women in power. Once upon a time, it was, let's just get women to vote, and, and, and we deserve a voice too. And they've led us to saying that there's no difference between men and women, and actually women are superior. The matriarchy is better. We have videos of that all the time. So feminists have led us here today where how could you possibly get them into a position where they can say, hey, this isn't fair because their entire house of cards is built on women are actually better than men. They've never acknowledged the difference. And if you open the door to saying, well, men are actually better at this. Well, now we can have a discussion. What else might men be better at? Are they better leaders? Should they 
be the continue to be the president of the United States instead of women? Should they be the pastors in churches? Should men be leading the household? These are all conversations these feminists don't want to have. So if you step out of bounds here, you got to step out of bounds there, and they're not going to do it. And so they're going to let pretend men, chicks with dicks, come over and dominate women's sports. And, and these people have kids. You know, I don't know Hannah Storm's personal life. Kirk Herbstreet, I know, has kids. Uh, I don't know if he's got daughters or whatever, but Jalen Rose got kids. All of them, they, they all got kids. And, and, and they got daughters. And so they're just going to be cool with chicks with dicks taking over women's sports. Some of them are not just going to be cool with it. They're going to endorse it. Remember Tony Reale's segment on Around the Horn? where we need to have some compassion and get in his shoes and really understand that Leah Thomas deserves this and we got to support. It's not just let it happen. These people have been given over to a reprobate mind. I'm telling you, this is Romans one stuff. These, these are not Christians. Uh, I, I don't know anything about them. I'm just telling you that it's like what Shamiko always says, be a fruit inspector. I'm looking at the fruit. If Tony Reale can get up there with a clear conscience and give the spiel he did about Leah Thomas, that's not a believer. He's been given over to a reprobate mind. Isaiah 520, woe to him who's willing to call evil good and good evil. This is Paul said the same stuff in Romans. These these you, you can't trust these people. And so we're going to fight this battle. I'm not expecting Tony Reale to. I'm certainly not expecting Max Kellerman to. Stephen A. Smith. They're all sellouts. Every last one of them. These aren't believers. They're godless people. And so I, I just, you know, I, I can have expectations for them all day long. But this is why platforms like The Blaze are important. We can sit up here. I've done it. Who knows? Based on based on your fire starter today, we may be kicked off YouTube after. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I, I do not know. I know having a platform like the blaze is important. I know our fearless summit is important because somebody's got to say this stuff. But I'm not expecting these idiots who've been given over to a reprobate mind because they have turned their heart against God. I'm not expecting them to speak up. It ain't going to happen. Thank you, TJ. <clears throat> Gonna move on to uh, Shamika Michelle next. Atheist, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take. Shut up! You, you're, you can't stand on truth, and if. All it was was imperfection. It eliminated us from standing on truth. This would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture. We, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? 
You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is going to do it and God's going to walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you. So it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ, I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to North Carolina, get a woman's take on Leah Thomas and ESPN, making, her, making him a part of Women's History Month. Shamika, I, I end my mono and column arguing that uh, all the racial stuff that ESPN does is just a cover-up for the real agenda. May, hey, we're going to let Stephen A. and... You guys talk all this racial stuff and Mina Kimes so you can feel like you're really out there fighting a the good fight. And so you won't say anything about this sexual perversion agenda that we're really, that, that's our real agenda. And, and it, 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 you're providing cover for our real agenda. And it just as a black person, it pisses me off that we would sit up and hold a debate about a BYU volleyball player perhaps getting a slur yelled at her, or a Duke volleyball player getting a slur yelled at her, but we'll have no discussion about a man with balls competing against women in sports. It, 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 
are, are these people really that blind and that are and that stupid that that they can't see they're just being used? Jason, I don't know if they're that blind or that stupid, they, but they are definitely that weak. You know, I think that it's true when you experience extreme circumstances, sometimes it pushes you to the opposite extreme. And that's where I am now. I don't think that 10 years ago I would have seen a woman, I mean, a man in a dress and thought much of it. But now after watching men get awarded as woman of the year and them actually saying, you know, trans women are women and watching a male athlete get to participate with females and people promoting it. I'm to the extreme now, and I want everyone to get to this point that something just happens in their life that drives them to have to speak out. Like I'm imagining straight men sitting in the strip club and as they watch this person twirl around the pole and as they're making it rain, that a pair of glittery balls just come out and slap them across the cheek because we have to start to stand up. And I, I did a diss rap to Trick Daddy some years ago. And there was a line that I said in there that said, I think you'd rather suck your bros with the smell of scrotum in your nose. And that's what I'm seeing from these men at ESPN that would actually get on TV and talk about race, 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 but won't actually say anything about this that you know is wrong. Either you're just a weak man or you're excited about the open door because how could you not have something to say about this you're ready to be a sack sniffer if you don't see that this is wrong so i don't know if they're stupid or if they're just applauding that this is happening and they're excited about it and for william thomas I hope that the next time he jumps in the pool, his nuts are so heavy that he sinks because I'm just tired of this, Jason. As a woman, someone who was born a woman who has had to deal with menstrual cramps and, and periods, being extremely heavy, messing up my clothes, having kids, you don't get to just decide at the last, oh, I'm a woman. No, you're not a woman. And I'm going to speak out about it. And I wish that everyone would. So I'm hoping that extreme things happen to people so they don't even have a choice but to say something. You know, as you were talking, it made me think about someone that worked at ESPN that was so irate and felt they had to speak out on an issue even if it cost them their job. And I thought of Jamel Hill and Donald Trump's presidency provoked her to say, screw it. I got to tell everybody he's a white supremacist and I got to talk on Twitter about it. I must speak out on Donald Trump. That's the line too far. And, and I think about someone like Jamel Hill, who's a woman who's covered sports and I think about her peers and friend from Kari Champion to L. Duncan to all these Sarah Spain, all these women that Trump is the line too far. But this man with batting balls 
going in and dominating young girls or women and, and, and being celebrated as this great woman, that's not a line so far that they have to speak out on this. And I mean, just one of the, you referenced it, but it was just like one of the things I, I referenced last night, just this, like we never talk about this, but so there's a form of woman who will and has never experienced a menstrual cycle and had to still go out and practice. Mm -hmm. I'm, on, I'm in the middle of my menstrual cycles, but I still got to go out and practice. They'll never experience that, but somehow they're on equal footing with a woman who, in order to compete, goes through her menstrual cycle, practices despite her menstrual cycle, maybe even competes in mm -hmm. spite of her menstrual cycle because they don't, oh, we're gonna have the championship this week. Is everybody off their period? They, 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 they don't do that. And, and so I'm just trying to figure out why Jamel Hill or any of these women, they're, they're not bold enough to speak out for themselves. They, they will only speak out if their white liberal daddy tells them to be upset and they talk, you, you know, you, we all hate Trump. So, you know, speak out on that. But, but a man taking opportunity and accomplishments away from women, nothing. They got nothing to add, nothing to say. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I'm not surprised because these are women that think sometimes they are men or that they can go toe to toe with men themselves. So yes, there are young women who have had to not only compete while they were on their menstrual cycle, but you have the stress of, oh my goodness, are we wearing white today? Because my daughters go to a school, the colors are blue and white. And so there have been times when it was time to wear that white uniform that they've been stressed about the, the color white. You know, these are things that these men will never experience. But women such as Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion, you should know these things just as a female. You don't even have to be a parent, but if you can remember being a young girl yourself worrying, okay, I'm about to sit down. When I get up, am I still going to be cool? You know, these are things that women have to face every day. And it just bothers me that these men can come in and so many women are quiet, especially feminists, especially feminists. You talk about the patriarchy. This is patriarchy. Letting a man come in and just take over. I thought this was what you stood against, men being in charge and men being able to mansplain and tell you about things, yet you all are sitting here quiet when this is exactly what's happening. And so it just says to me that these women are weak and a lot of people get upset when I say, oh, women aren't always as logical as men. Well, this is illogical. This. You know, and women applaud this. We're so empathetic that a lot of times we have these gay best friends and the moment he's the gayest and dressed the gayest, he looks so good in, in this gay outfit. We're, hey, girl, yes, girl, you know. Women applaud this stupid behavior all the time. But I want to know what what's the excuse for the men who are supposed to be logical? And I think that it's a weak point when men say things like, oh, this is what women wanted. 
This is not what sane women want. And if you are a, a, a man that is strong, you're going to speak out. So when I see these men, and I know you said you respect Stephen A. Smith and some of these other people, when I see them sit quiet on this, all I see is weakness. Because why else would you not want to put your foot down? And we're saying that, oh, trans people experience so much violence, yet we're making it easier for them to lie, allowing them to actually be able to identify as something that they aren't. Imagine your, your young son growing up, getting with this person that he thought was a girl and wondering, oh, my God, we've been working to have a baby and, 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 and we can't. Well, because she was born a he. Like, we're just making this easier. And I'm at the point now, Jason, where I'm not willing to accept this as anything other than mental illness. So if you are in this position, you're mentally ill. If you are applauding this position, you are mentally ill. If you're not speaking up about it, I'm about to say you're mentally ill. Because how can you not see it as anything other than that? God created male and female. That's the bottom line, period. And even if you don't want to acknowledge there's a God, biologically, men need women, women need men in order to reproduce. So this has to be the way that it's supposed to be. And you can't flip flop. You can't switch. And if you think that you can, that you can, you're mentally ill. And if you're not speaking out about it, you're weak. I agree with TJ. God will provide. And if you don't think that he'll he will provide, you're not a Christian because I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's just the bottom line. This is bigger. This next question is broader than just Leah Thomas, because for me, I don't watch a lot of television. Sports compels me to watch TV. And so the NCAA tournament's on. And so I'm watching TV to watch these games. And obviously I do it on Sundays during football season and we'll NBA playoffs or whatever. But I've been amazed at the commercials that they're stuffing down our face. And and I sit there, and I know your kids are now older, your youngest is a senior in high school, but I sit there and see some of these commercials from the two young boys on the bicycle and the eHarmony commercial and Get Who Gets You, and it's like, if I'm watching a game, because me and my dad would watch games together when we were kids, and if, if that came up and my kid asked me, like, Daddy, what is that? These two young boys on a bike? And it's like, I just want to watch a game. They're not trying to sell me eHarmony. They're trying to promote a pro-alphabet mafia agenda. That, that, that's clear as day what they're doing. And so Amazon, the mustache girl, and it's just like they're forcing all these conversations and all these thoughts into kids' heads. They're grooming through messaging over these commercials. And I'm just wondering, are, on the show, maybe you're not watching NCAA tournament, but it just seems to be everywhere. If you turn on your TV, there's just this big blaring message of gay is the end all be all. And 
you know, the trans community are, are the most important people in the world. We must save them. It just seems like that's the, it's in the shows, it's in the commercials, and it just, I'm sitting here, I don't know if I, maybe this is why I watch a lot of just old movies and Amazon Prime with no commercials and I, and I don't, and I can watch old movies and stuff, old TV shows and not get it. But, but I literally left and I was like, I gotta figure out a way that I can watch these games without any of the commercials. I, I, they need to offer that. Let me pay to not be inundated with the messaging. It is everywhere, Jason. And I was watching Empire about five years ago. This was a show that came on Fox at 8 p.m. This is the same time the Cosby show used to come on when I was young. So I was sitting there watching this with my children. And I remember a scene when one of the guys walked in and he saw his uh, boyfriend kneeled down in front of another man whose pants were unzipped. And I was livid because I'm thinking it's eight o'clock. This is the same time that the Cosby show used to come on. And my mother never had to worry about explaining such a lewd scene that, you know, to me during this time of the night, wasn't like this was, you know, HBO or Cinemax and it was 12 o'clock at night. It was none of that. This was the time that you would think you should be able to sit down and watch TV with your child. But I, not only did I see this, and thankfully, yes, my children are older, I have a bonus son who now I have to worry about shows like Blue's Clues, pushing this type of foolishness on kids. It is definitely everywhere. And I had a talk with his, his uh, daycare provider, and she was just saying how, you know, she wishes that parents would now actually be a little bit more vigilant because, you know, she has these young boys coming in here with all this hair. We're talking about three and four year olds uh, with a bunch of hair, two earrings in their ears. And she says she notices that the, the girls are a lot more masculine than they used to be. And boys are now more feminine and parents are actually confusing the children at home. If you have a, a little boy and he's four years old with dreads down his back and he's wearing two earrings, how, I mean, what is he supposed to think, especially if there's no father in the home? So you're setting these kids up before they even leave the house and you're helping these groomers prepare them for a lifestyle of confusion. Because once they get out of your home, if you send them into public education, they're going to be right ready to take this little boy who has these long locks and these two earrings and say, hey, you need tampons in your bathroom because we we got them there. Like it's, we aren't doing enough as, as citizens and parents to make sure these things don't happen to our children. And you got to be watchful because it's in the cartoons. And now you can't even just sit your child down and think they're going to be OK. You better go find something from like 1980, 1985, because if it's something that's produced now, you can't trust it. You just cannot. Thank you, Shamika. Great job. Uh, you can email me at fearlessblayshow at gmail.com. Steve Kim. Thanks.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, 모두 다 빨리 박수쳐 기다리지 말고 서둘러 무슨 내란 밝혀서 to feed you rest when I see that you are back below So sad All right, welcome back. Uh, before we get to Steve Kim, I do want to add a small little tweak correction or information to the discussion. We have found a tweet from early in March where Sage Steele at ESPN had tweeted out a complaint about what's going on with uh, – you know, Leah Thomas and the swimmers, and just Sage, I want to read the tweet. I'm just sad that athletes like you and countless other girls, women, are being affected by this insanity. We just celebrated 50 years of Title IX. This only hurts all the progress that's been made over the last half century, and I find it indefensible that all women aren't taking a stand. That was Sage Steele, I think, tweeting at the uh, Riley Gaines. The, the University of Kentucky swimmer that has complained publicly about Leah Thomas. So uh, hat tip to Sage Steele. She's the only person over it. <laughs> this is, I get no pun intended, but she's the only person over at ESPN with a pair of balls uh, to say something about this. Hats off to Sage. I, I respect that. Uh, let's go out to uh, the Korean Cosell, get his take on this. And then we'll also get his take on a few other things, including Lamar Jackson's contract demands. But, Steve, your thoughts on Leah Thomas as a great moment in women's history, uh, as determined by ESPN and Hannah Storm lending her voice to it. it it's, it's funny. Sarah Spain and... Mina Kimes and all, Bomani Jones, all the social justice warriors won't touch this, but ESPN has decided chicks with dicks are fine competing with uh, women in sports and has decided that uh, Leah Thomas is a woman I, without any debate. It, it, it infuriates me and pisses me off. Or that's well, I the think same this <laughs> I believe this is the slippery slope that began with uh, Bruce Jenner getting the ESPY about, what, seven, eight years ago. I never really thought it, it would go to this type of precipitous decline. And I'm afraid to call this rock bottom because it's probably only going to get worse. But I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, based on my experiences over at that big company in Bristol. It was a very short span. But, Jason, I was there a little bit closer to current time than you were. And I believe even from the time that you were there and your second departure, the climate of that company with Disney in charge, I think, really changed. That, that was not the work environment or the climate of Tom Meese, Chris Berman, and Gail Gardner. Let's just put it that way. I know this for a fact, and I could say this strongly with all conviction. They tell all of their personalities and people that have a byline there, and I was one of them for about two years, not only what to think, but more importantly, not what to say. And it is a very, very Orwellian type of culture that they have now cultivated 
and people are afraid outside of Sage Steel to really toe and step over that line. I mean, I still recall during the summer of 2020, I put up or I retweeted something from Thomas Sowell talking about the ineffectiveness of modern day activism and protesting. I was told within 10 minutes to take that down. And, you know, I also know from other people that have spoken at some of these uh, to these announcers that do college football, they're not even allowed to use uh, terminology like dual threat quarterback, believe it or not, because it basically says what you're saying is a black quarterback. And so like someone was texting me this couple of years ago that during their annual symposium, they try to stay away from that term, believe it or not, or something to that effect. So that's what's going on over there. That is Bristol, Connecticut. That's the ecosystem that they have created. And anyone that steps out of line, <laughs> unless you are a person like Sage Steele that has the gravitas, the guts, and some perhaps job security or a big contract, they are not going to step out of line. They simply can't. <clears throat> so Stephen A. Smith has gravitas, a big contract. There's nothing they can do about him. He's, he's, you know, long-term deal, a lot of the money guaranteed. He, he has the ability to take a different position on this. If you can sit on your show and debate whether some Duke volleyball player got called a name at a volleyball tournament at Brigham Young, you can't hold a discussion about whether men should be competing against women in sports. That, that seems like one of those issues is a fundamentally important topic, and the other one is nonsense. Yeah, you know, you make a good point there, but again, I think going against that particular agenda would almost be a fireable offense. And let, let's be honest about guys like Stephen A. Smith. They have earned their position, they've gotten a big contract for a reason, and they'd like to keep it. Look, no matter what type of job security you have or the options that exist outside your current employer, I believe guys who are very content with their role, they want to keep that job. They don't want to rock the boat. And the other thing is, too many people, in my view, in our profession, they pander and placate to the masses. They do this performative wokeness where they don't give their own opinion. They try to gauge the temperature of their Twitter or Instagram followers and then base that opinion on, you know what, I think this will go over well, not just merely – this is what I think. And I think there's a, a fundamental dishonesty that takes place with a lot of media personalities when they give an opinion because they are not actually giving you what they truly feel. But they again, they are trying to really raise their own popularity. So and I had this conversation with TJ Moe. It would be good to have it with you. Let's say you're not Stephen A. Smith, but let's say you're Kendrick Perkins and you're making, I don't know what they're paying Kendrick, maybe anywhere from 500 maybe to a million and a half uh, dollars. Is, is that enough money to keep you quiet on this issue and not rock, rock the boat and just, hey, I'm going to talk about ESPN stuff and I'm on a race bait over here and, and I'll yeah. leave this other stuff alone? Yes. For a guy like Kendrick, who's kind of in that middle area, he's not a Sage Steel, certainly not a Stephen A. Smith. He can't really carry his own program. He's part of an ensemble, and you can judge how good or bad he is. Everyone has their opinion. But a guy like him certainly cannot step out. No. 
Um, and I don't know if he has the wherewithal to say, you know what? I'm Kendrick Perkins. I'm going to build my own brand and I'm going to go out and build my own platform um, and be independent. Most people actually don't want to. I, I give a lot of credit to the Joe Rogans, the Pat McAfee's, what you've done here to be able to say, you know what? Let me get under this out from under this safe cocoon, step out from the umbrella and take a risk because it does take some guts. But I want to go back to this to all the females um, like a Sarah Spain, Mina Kimes that push female empowerment how women's sports needs to be taken seriously, how they deserve equal type of exposure. They deserve, in many respects, more money. And they're every bit the athletes that males are. By not speaking uh, up about this at all, not one word, I mean basic radio silence, it destroys their whole argument that they themselves don't even believe what they espouse. I want to make the question a little harder. If you were at ESPN making 500 to a million and a half and they put a script in front of you that you had to celebrate Leah Thomas as a great moment in women's history, what does Steve Kim do? Uh, that, that, probably not. I, I made the decision to leave ESPN. Um, of course, I wasn't making 500000 either, to be fair. But there comes a point in time where I, I have a hard time pushing that. I just don't believe in it. Um, and again, that doesn't make me anti anything that makes me pro truth. I don't believe I fit in at, at a corporate place. I just think it, there's so many agendas. They force it down your throat. You become Pinocchio to their Geppetto. And that, that's a bad way to make a living in my view. But again, um, I live within my means too. That's the other thing. I, a lot of these guys live a lifestyle where they are wholly dependent on their jobs. So there is that thing. Do you work the job? Or does the job work you? You make an excellent point. You don't try to live like a rock star. You can. It's easier to walk away from ESPN yeah. and from, from those golden handcuffs. Steve, I want to switch up to uh, the biggest sports story going on today. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah has mm -hmm. announced that uh, he's asked for a trade. I think we have, he put out a tweet. I think we have the whole thing. A letter to my fans. I want to first thank you all for all the love and support you consistently show towards me. All of you are amazing. I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not, believe, not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions in regard to my future plans. As of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that has met me or been around me know I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had, I had to make a business decision that was, my, that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. Uh, I think Truz, let's stay connected, subscribe to my fan page. Uh, <clears throat> so that's Lamar Jackson's statement. One of my first thoughts being a journalist and a writer and, and just someone who's been questioning, Lamar, man, get an agent. 
don't take all this stuff personally. Oh, okay. Remove yourself from the equation. And, and so I look at the statement and I just look at the poor grammar in yeah. the statement. And I just go, this isn't professional. And, and I get, there's no one in Lamar's camp who can proofread a tweet that, that's going to be read and talked about and discussed everywhere. There's no one in his circle that can proofread this and say, hey, Lamar, let, let's clean up the grammar here. Make sure we're expressing exactly what you want to express. Can't do that. And so, and, and I know there are people out there, it don't matter and blah, blah, everything. When you're trying to be the highest paid player in the NFL with the most guaranteed money, you have to represent yourself as if you're flawless, you're everything about, and, and he's not doing that with this type of tweet and this type of action. This whole thing seems personal to me, and it seems like to me that the media, and this is what I said the day of his draft, I said this on the day of his draft, when Deion Sanders treated him on draft night like he was a victim because he went at the end of the first round. When everybody's treating you, everybody in the media is treating you like a victim and that you're being exploited, eventually you're going to see yourself as a victim and you're gonna see the glass as half empty rather than, hey man, Baltimore built their entire organization around me. They, they, a bunch of teams thought I wasn't a quarterback Baltimore did, built an offense and a system around me. Man, Baltimore has been great for me. Again, take yourself out of that victim mentality and, and have a more realistic approach. Lamar, listening to the media choir, listening to social media, believes he's a victim, and Baltimore hasn't met his value in his mind. And, and so this has all been inevitable from, from draft night on that eventually, and I loved all the things Lamar was doing before this whole contract dispute played out the last year and a half with no one cares, work harder, and all that other stuff. But eventually he was going to fold to, to the song the choir was singing, and the choir has been telling him, you're a victim, Lamar, they're mistreating you, and he's bought what the choir's singing. Jason, I say this as someone that has numerous edits that need to be made on whatever he writes. I had a lot of typos in my Twitter. But yes, uh, I don't expect him to be Edgar Allan Poe, but I'm not quote if that raven. He needs to hire at least a copy editor. We already talked about him needing his own Jerry Maguire. But, but that statement, I'm like, oh, God. You know, here's the issue that I have with uh, Lamar, though. If you're going to be so public about this, I would like for him to at least address one thing. Not about the money you're getting, because you're going to get in the hundreds of millions. This is going to be a guy that's going to have a nine-figure contract. I just wonder, though, is he so stuck on getting the same material terms as Deshaun Watson? I will say this again. If he is offered a contract in the 200 to $300 million range, does he expect 100% of that money to be guaranteed? Because if that's what it is, then I hate to tell you this, 
that market will be very, very tough for him. And it's a shame, Jason. I'm going to repeat myself. When it came to the Mount Rushmore of Baltimore Ravens, it was obviously Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, Ed Reed, and I thought just about 12 months ago it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Now it's going to be a situation where I can see in a month or so Ravens fans burning jerseys because you know what that's, that's what fans do, right? And it, it just seems to be such a disappointing, ignominious end to what seemed to be the perfect union in a lot of sense. What do you think of my contention that the media has talked him into seeing himself as a yeah. victim? They, they did the same thing. Look, there seems to be a certain amount of players that every year that the media starts acting, as I'll say it again, and I, and I, I mentioned this to a lot of boxing fans, they're fanagers. They start to really become emotionally tied, and they make it this cultural social issue. If an owner does not give enough money or certain terms to a player that they like, and they don't understand this is a business. And these people want to talk business and have no business sense. So Lamar Jackson is basically what Dak Prescott was about, what, two years ago, Jason? And guess what? As Prescott had another playoff implosion or disappointment, everyone's like, oh, my God, Dak, Dak's not getting it done. Excuse me. But he got his money. Jerry Jones, in a lot of ways, I think, was publicly pressured to give a deal to Prescott that he may have not really truly believed that he deserved. But we have to make this clear, and the more I think about it, but the quarterback position, we can argue, Jason, all day that they're all overpaid, they take too much of the salary cap, no one should be exorbitantly enriched that much compared to the rest of the team. Whether that's true or not, the, the realization that I've come to, quarterbacks, you're going to have to overpay for them, even the good to just mediocre ones. So... As, as I see Daniel Jones getting what he did, I'm saying to myself, you know what? Maybe Lamar, in terms of the total money and the guaranteed years is not exorbitant, but I go back to this. If he's expecting 100% of his money to be guaranteed over the duration of his contract, given his style of play in recent history, I think that's very unrealistic. Steve, I'm going to sound like Scott Adams the oh, no. Dilbert oh, no. cartoonist. Oh. I'm going to sound like him. <laughs> and, but, but I'm just, if I were an NFL owner, I would think twice, three times, four times, five times before drafting a black quarterback because of what the media will do. Because of what the media will do. I, I'm just telling not this has nothing to do with the player. This has to do with what the media will do to that player. And, and with Daniel Jones, if he succeeds, fails, if they cut him a year from now, two years from now, no one's going to call him a victim. No one's going to cape up for him. You can do whatever you want to a white quarterback. When it comes to a black quarterback, if you don't meet his every whim and demand, you run the risk of being called a racist. And I wouldn't want that hassle if I'm an NFL owner. And, and I wouldn't want the hassle of the, the whole media, oh my God, you gotta pay so and so, you gotta pay him X, Y, and Z. They only do this for black quarterbacks. And I would just avoid the hassle of it and go find me a white one so that if I wanna mistreat him, I can mistreat him. 
If I want to treat him well, I can treat him well. But you don't have that freedom with God. You know, no one, the, the Baltimore Ravens, Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh, you know, he was doing a press conference at the same time Lamar was putting this tweet out. And, and the Baltimore Ravens, even, not that they would ever state this publicly, but even behind the scenes, they can't say to the media, man, the guy hasn't been available. He's yeah. missed 10 of the last 22 games. You can't even say that because, again, oh, that would be racist. And, and, but if it was a white quarterback, you could say, well, <laughs> you know, we just got to get him out. We got to keep him out on the field. And, and you know, it, agreed with his decision to, you know, sit out the playoff game, but didn't play well in the locker room and it raised some questions. You can't say any of this. Logic, reason, and facts have nothing to do when you're dealing with a black quarterback. And so I just wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm saying it sincerely. I wouldn't want the hassle of dealing with all these uh, black people at ESPN, Fox Sports, and all over social media that are going to frame me as a bad person if if I don't give Lamar Jackson or whatever whatever the flavor of the month, whatever black quarterback's the flavor of the month, if I don't meet his every demand. I just, uh, well, I'm good. Jason, give me a white quarterback. Jason, I think you're going to take more heat from the white liberal reporters, to be honest with you. I know the way that works. But anyway, uh, whenever we're not... Lamar Jackson signs with the team. I want to tell you right now, who, this is who we need to book, Bernard Pollard. I, I am really curious, based on what he said, what, about eight, nine months ago, about how he feels about because he had enough guts to say, oh, you know what, if I'm a wide receiver, I wouldn't want to play for him. And this is a guy that's played an important part of Ravens history. Not an all-time great, but he's looked upon fondly with that franchise because he made some great comp, uh, contributions to a Super Bowl run. Couple of things though, Jason. It's ironic you say that. Wait a minute. So here's the thing about this upcoming draft. There's a very good chance there might be three black quarterbacks where the first guys drafted in the top ten. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. And to be honest, I kind of like all three of them better than Will Levis. Okay? So I don't think any of these owners are gonna put the four sale sign in the front lawn and move to Wyoming. So I and by the way, but we have to point this out. The good black quarterbacks, the ones that have produced, so we're not talking about Achilles Smith, Spurgeon Wynn, they've actually all gotten paid. If you look at the financial hierarchy of the National Football League, if you are a good quarterback, period, there is no color line as it relates to your finances. Look, Deshaun Watson had two dozen cases against him and got the best contract. Again, there's... Racism has nothing to do with the decisions they're making at the quarterback position. The media, th- these untalented hacks, the only way they can be provocative and the only way they can say something interesting is, oh, the ownership's being unfair, they're being racist. That's the only card they have to play, and they continue to play it and play it and play it. It's a joke, and I'm just telling you, I wouldn't want the hassle. I, 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 because I'm, if Lamar were in his right mind, if he had an agent and was in his right mind and, and people weren't in his ear telling him he's a victim, he wouldn't be demanding that every dollar be uh, guaranteed. He'd know the Browns made a gigantic mistake 
And just because the Browns did something stupid, the rest of the league doesn't have to do it. He wouldn't be basing his value off of the mistake the Browns made. And he would understand the uniqueness of his situation, and he would know that, like, man, the, the Baltimore Ravens turned their entire organization upside down for me to have success. What a blessing. Let me take this $42 million a year, 130 of it guaranteed, and, and just know this is right for me and my situation. Everybody in the family is going to get to eat at 42 some odd a year with 130 million guaranteed, everybody's going to be fine. And if Lamar in a year or two, uh, you know, proves that he's durable and sustainable, he'll be right back at the table again, getting even more money. But he's not, he's been turned into a victim. Jason, if I'm not mistaken, the National Football League has a provision that their agents, the maximum, and again, that then it's not the minimum, but it's the maximum can take three percent. So I'm just wondering, did that saving of that three percent cost them a lot more than what having maybe a Lee Steinberg may have cost them? I mean, it's not like boxing where a manager by law can take up the maximum of thirty-three percent. Okay, I'm just wondering, did that three percent actually cost them a lot more? And I don't mean just monetarily, because then that is important. But again. Certain players belong in certain cities with certain franchises because they fit there, they've made a home there, and now the for sale sign is out. And I find that extraordinarily sad for him and the city of Baltimore and the franchise. Great point about the 3%. Glad you entered that into the record because, uh, you know, he may save that 3% but cost himself what cost? 15%. Yeah. And, and, and damage his off-field... Uh, you know, promo, uh, you know, if he wanted to do commercials like Baker Mayfield, every every other commercial featuring Lamar Jackson, he may cost his reputation the whole nine yards. It's it's not smart uh, what Lamar Jackson's doing. Uh, I want to move on to uh, Memphis uh, <laughs> again. This is a college <laughs> basketball story. This is a college basketball story. Jeez. That that that. that Fits in with my whole women's uh, or, or Leah Thomas story in terms of what ESPN is allowed to talk about. And, and they're allowed to talk about Rachel Robinson, I believe, is the Duke volleyball player. And she allegedly got called a name at a BYU volleyball match. And Stephen A. Smith got two episodes of First Take or two, two different segments about her on First Take. Don Staley, you know, quit, you know, won't play a game at BYU and made this whole big public stink about, oh, this, girl, this volleyball player got called a name. It all turned out to be untrue, unsubstantiated. But you can talk about that. Yeah. But a Memphis... Woman's basketball player named Jamara Shoots or whatever. Cole Cox, a white girl in the handshake line Mm -hmm. of a knit of the women's knit tournament. She's been charged with assault. 
No one of the this won't be on first take. No one of the ESPNs talking about it. She punches a girl in the cold in the in the handshake line. She's been charged with assault, but let's not discuss it because this is a black girl who's punched a white girl. We know it would be a major topic on ESPN if it was a white girl punching a black girl. This is on the heels of Jawan Howard a year ago, black basketball coach at Michigan, punching a white coach in the post game. It's won't be talked about. It 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 it, it blows my mind. It it the hypocrisy, the double standard, the 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 stupidity of it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I, my understanding is that young lady is now uh, she's been hired as security for Jay Morant. Uh, that's going to be her postgraduate job <laughs> uh, with her degree in assault and battery. But again, the standards that you place and set on somebody, that's what you think of them. That's what you think they are. That's what you think they're capable of. And um, I don't know what else to really say that uh, that poor white girl was not as elusive as Kayla Plant was for the first six, seven rounds on Saturday night. Um, it doesn't surprise me. And it really does not surprise me that the mainstream legacy media acts like it didn't happen. And I'm also glad that the local law enforcement flat out press charges, charges her with assault. That needs to happen. Bottom line, I think we almost have to be punitive about it. You want to stem this behavior, then you have to come down hard. Uh, and this is not a play on words. You just can't give a slap on the wrist. You actually have to charge them criminally and make them pay. Steve, I love your point. It's a very uncomfortable one. You've made it before, but it, 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 you've made it before. It always hits home. It hits home even more this time. It, it, it does speak to what the corporate media, what their yeah. expectations are for, for that person. And there are none. Oh, well, we expect that. We can't expect her to control her emotions. We can't expect her to go through a handshake line and not punch someone. And, and literally, what they're saying, that's a black girl. She's angry, she's bitter, she just lost a game. We expect her to turn violent. That's a racist mindset. It's one of the most powerful points you've made ever on this show, and you've made plenty, but that one, that one there really hits home with me, because that, that's, that's what I see here is like, Everyone expects this from black women and black men, and it, I don't. And I, I get called out and criticized because I don't have those expectations. I hold myself and others to a much higher standard or the same standard as everybody else. The, if, if I saw a white kid punch a black kid, I would be outraged if in that scenario, that handshake line scenario, I wouldn't be running around, what about Brett Favre? Or what, what's the new one now? What about Dana? Now, yeah. What about Dana White? Which is the new, you know, what about Brett Favre? It's, it's, if you got one more thought on it, express it. If not, I can move on to one other topic. No, no, I'm good. I, I don't know what else to really say. Uh, that highlight right there is about as much 
NCAA women's bracket basketball that I've seen. Okay, I want to make that clear. <laughs> Particularly as it relates to the knit. Uh, finally, on a much lighter note, okay. I hadn't seen this. Other people ha- had seen this uh, before, uh, but but I hadn't. Someone emailed me Amina Kimes' old story from her days at Yale. Have you seen this, Steve? That uh, Mina Kimes in 2004 was tagged as the hottest girl at Yale, and there was a story written about her with yeah. a little, uh, you know, seductive picture. It looks like she may be topless with a jacket over top of herself. Uh, she she calls herself, or the story says she's part of a super race of half white, half Asian people. Uh, you know the, the article is not politically correct, but uh, you know Mina Kimes. You know, kind of, what's the kind of looking two live crew there? I, I won't. I'm not gonna get myself in trouble by saying the lyrics, but it, it, <laughs> that's what it kind of took well, me to. You know what? Two live crew. <laughs> Step aside, Whitlock. A fresh Kim Ice will say it. She loves you long time. Okay, that's what you're getting at. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Being being like the hottest girl at Yale, I'm going to use this again. It's like being the fastest Korean sprinter. I mean, what, what are you really running? Like a 14-8 in the 100 meters? And it's like, I'm oh, she's attractive. But, I mean, now, if you were the hottest girl at Arizona State, I'd go, oh, well, wait a minute. Got any picks? At Yale? <laughs> It's Yale. Come on. And by the way, that, that, that does not help her cause about I'm here on my merits. Um, it's all about my work, this, this, and that. I, I don't think that's a great look. I really don't, but it is what it is. But, again, hottest girl at Yale. It's like dunking on a six-foot basket. <laughs> Completely. I will disagree. Uh, to, you know, Yale's probably got 5,000 students. Who knows? I, I, I don't I don't. Surprise! It's a high-end school. Maybe it doesn't have that many students. Anytime you're the hottest something anywhere, it's it's pretty significant. And I, but I agree. My, mostly, my point is, Mina Kimes. People always get upset when I say, "Look, man, she got hired for her looks." You know, she's just she's another Instagram model, and she was quite comfortable letting them do a story on her. As uh, you know, this was before Instagram. As a future Instagram model, it it it. It just blows up the narrative. Oh, this is just this little nerdy, book smart uh, sports fan that watched football with her dad 24 hours a day. Go read that article. Th- that that ain't who Mina Kimes is. <laughs> okay. I, you know, it's funny. I have not thought this much about Mina Kimes since the last week. But the hottest girl at Yale. All right, I got a question. What's the hottest girl at Harvard look like then? And that's the question I have. Everyone has an Ivy League bracket here, you know, Brown, Columbia, Cornell. You know, again, they're not Arizona State. Arizona State's got a lot of talent from what I've been told, you know. Just saying. Thank you, Steve. We're going to get out of here. We're going to enjoy the rest of the day. We're going to play tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Freedom came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for free.